Albright Out Loud, a podcast about the inspiring, innovative, and creative stories at the heart of Albright College's campus community. I'm your host, Jackie Fetro, president and alumna of Albright College. And I'm coming to you today from the Center for the Arts on our beautiful campus in wonderful Reading, Pennsylvania. Albright Out Loud highlights the immersive learning and meaningful experiences that are an intentional part of the study, work, and life at Albright College, and the distinctive and positive impact those have for our students and campus beyond. I'm really excited for today's conversation as we're gonna have a conversation about inclusive and ethical leadership. For this discussion, I'm joined by, first, Dr. Lisa Hain. Lisa has been on our program before. She's the Academic Program Chair for Albright's new Master's in Applied Psychology program and is a Pennsylvania licensed psychologist. Dr. Hain teaches at the Master's and Bachelor's level in Albright's School of Professional Studies, with her courses including Psychological Assessment, Psychological Measurement, Abnormal Psychology, Ethics, Psychopathology, Psychotherapeutic Interventions, and a professional seminar for our graduate students. That's a lot of teaching, Lisa. <laughs> her areas of expertise include psychometrics, human learning, neuropsychology, and neurodevelopmental disorders in children. Dr. Hain is in her seventh year at Albright College. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. Dr. Allison Slosser, professor and program chair of the Athletic Leadership Program in our, our School of Professional Studies. Allison earned her PhD in leadership with a concentration in education. Allie has been a certified athletic trainer for 13 years in the collegiate setting and an adjunct professor at different universities for eight years. She is currently the program chair for the Albright's Master of, Sci of Science in Athletic Leadership and teaches ALD 610 athletic training. She is also one of our on-campus athletic trainers for our student athletes. Welcome, Allie. Thank you. Jose, or Joey Miranda, mm -hmm. vice president of the foundation for the Reading Pagoda and board member for the Reading Education Foundation. Joey says he believes in a positive future for the city of Reading, something you and I share, Joey. That we do. And particularly its youth, whose voices he seeks to have heard through education and sports. A longtime resident of the city and a member of a close Puerto Rican family, Joey is the recipient of the 13th Street Student Scholarship, a 1990 graduate of Reading High School, and a 2012 Albright graduate earning his bachelor's degree in criminal justice. He is currently pursuing his master's in applied psychology through the Albright School of Professional Studies. Welcome, Joey. Thank you. And finally, William B.J. Hogan, who is currently pursuing his master's in athletic leadership through Albright School of Professional Studies, a former head coach at Cardinal O'Hara High School in Springfield, Pennsylvania. B.J. coached defensive backs and special teams at DelVal College and the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, where he also recruited and coached eight NFL players. Any Pittsburgh Steelers players in there? <laughs> no, not, not in there. <laughs> um, he is a 2006 graduate of Widener University, where he earned a degree in communication studies with a concentration in public relations and advertising, and was a defensive back and key player in leading Widener to two middle athletic conference championships. BJ currently serves as the athletic director in a school down near Philly. 
Welcome, BJ. Thank you. Welcome to each of you. Really, really looking forward to this conversation. Each of you play a role as a leader or a peer leader in different ways and different frameworks. And you've all had interesting things to consider and share with me in our conversation before this podcast on inclusive and ethical leadership. So I'm looking forward to discussion on this topic. I'd like to start by inviting each of you or one of you, and maybe we'll have a discussion from that one, what does inclusive and ethical leadership mean to each of you? Um, So I think the biggest thing is that it's something that you take with you when you're outside of your work doors, and it's something that you encompass with everything that you do on a daily basis. And I think the biggest part, it's just including everybody, and it's not singling out towards one specific population. And if it's something you're unfamiliar with or uncomfortable with, it's accepting that you may not know that and kind of giving yourself an opportunity to learn and grow. There's a lot of things that have been changing, and it's kind of we have to adapt and it could not be something you believe in, but it's being accepting that, you know, somebody isn't just like you and that's okay. And it's just giving them that space to grow. And I think that helps us also grow as individuals. And it's just doing the right thing regardless of who's looking. Oh, my boss is watching. Maybe um, somebody that works for you is watching. It's you do it regardless. If you're in a room by yourself, you're always looking to do that right thing. I like I like two pieces of your answer, the learning and growing. We all grow as leaders, don't we? And the importance of doing the right thing, no matter who's looking. Do you have in your own work, in your own experience, an example of where you've either experienced or you've displayed inclusive and ethical leadership? As an athletic trainer, especially here at Albright, sometimes things happen on the sports field that a coach never likes to hear someone's done for the game. So we'll go with concussions because that's a very big topic um, in a lot of sports talk. I can't ethically let someone return to the field if I have any suspicion that they might have um, um, undergone a concussion. It could be they're lying to me, but something's just off. You get that gut feeling that I can't risk that 30 seconds, even if it's 10 seconds left in a game, it's a playoff game, championship game. At the end of the day, that safety of that student athlete is in my hands, regardless if you have a head coach screaming, if you have the president of the university, what do you mean they can't go back in? <laughs> now, let's but be clear, I've never done that. <laughs> we appreciate that. But in some higher type universities, D1, you're on TV, those outside pressures come in and play, and you have to do that right thing for that individual, regardless of it's a championship game, it's a must-win game, it's whatever. Like That atmosphere can't affect our decisions. So that's just one thing. And then the inclusion we get all types of students that come through our doors and we're usually that first line of defense, whether we're that first person they're disclosing some type of personal challenge, whether it's a family, whether it's something they're personally going through, we're usually that first step to then refer them to somebody that can help them. So we have to be, you know, sensitive to maybe they don't want to have this conversation in an open room. So let's go into the office. Let's go for a walk. Maybe you need to come and we'll meet with a different person, a different office to kind of see how we can help them. It's all, it's not always just health, it's mental health, physical health, or emotional health. So all of that kind of plays in. So that's part of my everyday um, with these students and things are evolving. There's new policies changing for different things with locker room changes and making sure everyone has a place that they feel safe, a locker room environment safe, the athletic training room is safe, and making sure that we're making others aware that maybe they're not, or someone might've said something and it's like, that's not appropriate. Like you don't know who else is in the room. They might not find that, or even just language. Um, in different situations where it's like, that's not okay here. Mm -hmm. 
So that's I, kind of my everyday. I, I appreciate those examples. And, yeah. and especially the, the one of being an athletic trainer when you might have the coach or a big, a big donor president. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to say, no, this is what's right for the students, so no matter who's looking. Thank well, and they're always focused on the, okay, it's only 10 seconds, but that's 10 seconds right now. Like, I have to think about 10 years from now and you being able to walk, talk, or whatever the case may be. Like, it's not worth the long run. And you never know what happens in 10 seconds, right? Right. Right. Who else would like to share what inclusive and ethical leadership means to them? BJ? You know, inclusive leadership to me is all about the leader setting an environment where everyone around them can be themselves, be comfortable, you know, be able to speak up without, you know, any consequences. Uh, You know, I really think that's an important part. I know for me personally, you know, right now we're going through a, a basketball hire, so I try and get people you know, of different genders, different ages, people with a lot of experience, people that have just graduated, just trying to get people to be open and free and open uh, their communication and give their opinions without having, you know, someone sitting up there in a leadership position saying, no, we're going to do it this way. But to be inclusive, I I think that is something that's going to continue to be important. Not every environment is like that in business, but uh, you know, I, I think some of the stuff that I'm learning in, in in our program right now, the athletic leadership will definitely help myself and some of the younger students uh, that are going through it with inclusivity and, and some different things like that. Uh, ethical wise, you know, for me, it's it's real simple. Just trying to, you know, when you're by yourself, like Dr. Slosher said, you know, you, you, you want to make sure you're doing the right thing. In some professions, it, it's very difficult. You know, it's easy to do, you know. It's really easy to do the difficult thing, uh, you know, but we, we want to make sure, you know, that we're treating people with, with respect, you know, we're showing confidence in people and, you know, we're just always trying to do the right thing. I I, I really like that definition and the, uh, the phrase trying to do the right thing is, is a really important one. Do you have a story from your own leadership or your experience of leadership that would illustrate your definition in action? Jeez, put me on the spot. I think you'll have to come back to me. Let, okay. me, let me think of something and I'll come back. We, we can do that. You, 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 shared, you shared an interesting one, of even just a vignette in your answer about, about the search that you're going through and how you make that inclusive search. But we'll come back to you. You can think about that. Joey, how about you? Um, well, I kind of wrote the definitions down here. So ethical leaders, respecting others around them, regardless of their position or identifying characteristics. And so... I know uh, my professor here to my right, um, you know, so I currently am uh, an outpatient mental health therapist for an agency here in, in Reading. And so what, what I try to do is I feel that you have, to be, you have to be transparent. You have to be vulnerable. Meet the client where they're at. When, when you're able to do that and you're able to be empathetic and sympathetic and compassionate, what that does is it, it tears down those walls, mm-hmm. right? Um, because a lot of times the people that I meet are coming in and, you know, they have these walls. They're insecure, whatever the diagnosis may be. So I try to provide a safe, judge-free zone for the people that I help. And, um, you know, and just as far as bringing out the best in them, because in my eyes, how I see it is everybody's a leader. And so when when I see that, it just takes a mustard seed, just that little bit of hope. And then just every time that I see them, just keep watering it. And eventually, hopefully, the idea is that they will be 
leaders themselves within their own home and then eventually in their own community. I I think that is a great definition. And you're, you brought in there the concept of developing leaders from the very beginning, plant, planting that mustard seed and helping it grow. Do you have a story from your own experience of your own leadership or that you've experienced in others that illustrates your definition? So um, I guess for me, uh, you know, I go to church and one of the church, the church that I attend is Glad Tidings. And so I took a leadership course there with the pastor and, and it was just the way he poured into me because I came in with the mindset, I am not a leader. But in reality, I found out that I am a leader. So by my actions, thoughts, and words, and I can, what, I, what he poured into me, I now then pour into somebody else. So that's, that was the biggest experience for me, was knowing that I am a leader. I think that's a really important point because, and you said it in your answer, so many, most of, most everybody is a leader. And then, and you say that and people look at each other and I'm like, I'm not a leader. And I'm like, think about this group. Your peer leadership is already showing in this group. You're just not recognizing it as leadership. There's positional management authority, but that's not what true leadership is. And that's what I hear you saying. Right? And, it's, and it can be as small as, you know, leading your home, mm-hmm. you know, so whether you're a father, you're a mother, you're leading, mm-hmm. you're leading by example, you're pouring into your children, you're pouring into your family. So in, in essence, you are a leader. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they, they can't make that connection until you actually illustrate it mm-hmm. for them. And you can often see it even in, in siblings, right? Yes, absolutely. You know, one or, one will be a leader in this position and another will be a leader in that position. It's a really, really great example, just everyday leadership, right? Right. Thank you. Lisa, how about you? What's your definition of inclusive and ethical leadership? I don't know if I can top all, the, all of these definitions. <laughs> well, it is not a competition. <laughs> it's always it a competition. Simply... <laughs> um, <laughs> I will say that I think it's really about, um, I'll piggyback off all of them. I, I do believe it's about um, espousing um, principles of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. I think um, that kind of leader that can build those welcoming and equitable workplaces, whether it's a college classroom or in any of the other fields that we're talking about today, if you can connect at that individual level. I, I think it's about bringing awareness to your own biases and stereotypes, understand how to counteract the kind of negative, almost automatic core belief that you hold, um, challenging yourself to move beyond that. Um, and, and like the most of them said, it's listening, right? It's um, getting to know the person, that person's culture, their identity, using that, um, allowing those diverse perspectives on things. And like, like Joey said, it's leading by example, so much so that you inspire others to want to be inclusionary and, and have a just and equitable society. And that, that's what I love for. I think that is a great answer. And creating that inclusionary environment to inspire others to do it. Do you have a story that you would like to share from your experiences <laughs> as a leader or that you have experienced in otherwise uh, of inclusive and ethical leadership? Um, I, I, yes. I mean, I will say that as a licensed psychologist, I mean, it, it's ingrained in us from day one of our training um, to abide by the American Psychological Association's Code of Ethics for Psychologists. And it's really about um, beneficence, non-maleficence, integrity, justice, dignity, respect, respect 
um, fidelity responsibility. It, it's really about doing no harm. Um, and I know a lot of times um, psychologists can get into those ethical um, issues. Um, and I, I've experienced some of those, like just very casual, you know, being in an office setting and seeing paperwork sitting there with someone else's name on it, you know, especially when I was working in the school system, you know, it was a little loosey goosey there. And, and you would say, you know, anyone could walk in here and see what's written there. And that is a violation of somebody's privacy. So even small things like that to very, you know, more ethical violations um, is something that I've either witnessed or have heard about in my career so far. I think, I think that even those little examples are really important. Just leaving a piece of paper out on a desk that somebody could see a name uh, can really make a difference. And who thinks about that, right? You leave your desk at the end of the day and you don't even really think about it when you leave. But the custodians come in or somebody else comes into the office um, and it's right there. So I want to pull out each of you touched on in your answers this question, but I want, I'm going to ask you to pull it out specifically. What is the value of inclusive and ethical leadership? How is it valuable? I think it helps with building relationships and building rapport. A lot of the professions that all of us are in require some type of trust um, instilling with, whether it's an athlete, whether it's a coach, whether it's a patient or another student. If you don't have that um, that pre-builds up where you kind of involve in everything we've been talking about and you kind of build that mutual respect where they know that, okay, I can trust this individual or I know if I say something to them, they're not going to judge me. It's that judgment-free zone and it kind of just helps build this bigger window, which then might end up helping someone's life at the end of the road because something they might have been afraid to say because they thought they were going to be judged. You now open welcome arms and got them onto whatever path they may need. Um, I think it just changes them and a lot of like people depending on who you talk to, it's always that one person. That one person said this to me and it changed my entire life or this one person looked at me and said this and I didn't jump because of that one little act of kindness type thing. And it's something we take for granted, but it's everything that's included in ethical and inclusional leadership. It's just kind of being that person that they want to either look up to or open up to that can then lead them into something better. I really, I really appreciate that example because you can make a big difference in people's lives and you don't even know that you do just by that helping them to feel value just from a small kindness yeah yeah sometimes it's the listening to listen instead of listening to respond i've heard that a lot not everybody wants an opinion or wants an answer they just want to be heard just and to say i hear you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i hear you and i i i value you right right i appreciate that what do the rest of you have to say? What the value of inclusive and ethical leadership? Well, I think to kind of piggyback off what she said, it's what what you're what you're building from the ground up is is that leadership, right? Um, I, I always go with those with this old saying: a closed mouth never gets fed, right? So you, you have to be open to express yourself without the fear of being judged by others, and by pouring into somebody so that they can be a leader, what you're doing now is you're, you're tearing down those walls, you're tearing down those barriers, erasing those deficits, whatever traumas they may have had in the past. So by them being as transparent as they can be and you just meeting them where they're at um, is huge, huge in building somebody up. So 
I, I, it, that is important in building someone up. And it's really hard, isn't it, to, to open yourself to a room without being judged because we're used to being judged all the time, right? right. On, on everything we do. So it's really hard to do that. You have to think con- really consciously about it. Right. Yeah. I know that, like, especially with the people that I serve, it takes time. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. Or in the first session, it's going to take multiple sessions to to really. It's like a it's like an onion peeling back those layers. So, yeah, <laughs> it, it 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 really matters, doesn't it's absolutely. it? Absolutely, it totally matters. Yes, Lisa or BJ, va- the value of inclusive <laughs> ethical leadership. You want to pull that out a little bit? I I, I was going to actually piggyback off of Joey because I think if you trust the leader and the leader trusts you and you have that kind of a team perspective, that that's what really leads to growth and change. That's what leads to creation, innovation. When you're a member of a team, everybody's mind's coming together um, and you're like all working together towards mutual goals. That is where I think the greatest um, effect of, of an ethical and inclusive leader comes, comes to. That, that working towards the same goals. Do you, do you have a story you'd like to share about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think in the microcosms of our society, we have so many different um, types of people with diverse experiences and diverse thoughts. And, and sometimes we can close off some of those thoughts. And, and some people don't feel like they belong. They don't feel like they have a say or they their say is not as important. So you used the word earlier, validation. Everybody wants to be validated. They want to be heard, listened to, feel worthy. You know, and I think a good leader can instill that confidence, self-esteem, self-efficacy to build and inspire the people around them. Um, and, you know, I've experienced that um, in my different parts of my career and life so far. Um, but I've seen it work really, really good. And I will say the School of Professional Studies is one of those places where I think it works really good. And I, I appreciate that you brought up that answer. So let's explore that a little bit because I think there's a place where um, at least inclusive leadership, you talked about, a couple of you talked about crossing those barriers and bridges. Now let's think about this. In this room, we have two professors. One of them is a professor in the School of Professional Studies, a psychology professor. The other is an athletic trainer um, with all the qualifications and teaches regularly. But, but you two and others came together to say, can we create a program that would be valuable to students? And what does that look like? That's an example, I think, of inclusive leadership because you had to cross the boundary. You had to think about psychology, athletics, and all the pieces and all the fraughtness that went with that. <laughs> um, you want to talk about that experience a little bit? Yeah, I'll, st- I'll start with that because I think um, the, one of the things that, that started that was the leadership of our dean. I think with him being able to come in and say, you guys can go create, go innovate and, and do something wonderful. And we talked about what do graduate students need? You mentioned like those power skills. What kinds of things are we looking for? And, and, and part of that was coming together to determine what that was, setting up that course sequence. Um, and currently there are three courses that constitute that. And knowing that centered on psychological diversity, positive psychology, like self-actualization, and again, motivation. How do you motivate yourself? How do you motivate others? Um, all the way to ethics and um, leadership skills. And so we, we had to, we did a lot of brainstorming to, to get it there and then try to have, also had to figure out um, how to create that certificate in such a way that we could put it online 
And we could bring in technologies and pedagogies to actually espouse the values that we're hoping to teach. So our inclusive and ethical leadership certificate, um, I, I'm very proud of it. And I think it's something, it's a niche and a distinctiveness that our graduate students will get here at Albright that they might not get somewhere else. Part of that conversation, too, was how do we um, include the different backgrounds? Because um, this particular course is for the psychology students as well as the athletic leadership students. So they're coming from two different backgrounds. So what meets the needs of one student doesn't meet necessarily the athletic leadership side. So it's finding a way that would encompass even our younger students to our adult learners. Like some are looking and writing resumes to get jobs. Some already have jobs and are holding a leadership type position. So it's like, how do you kind of give something that benefits everybody without going down a specific pigeonhole. So we've kind of come up with either one assignment is particularly for this individual, another assignment might kind of meet somebody else's needs, and then somewhere kind of applying resources somewhere in the middle. This podcast kind of like helps encompass everything. So we always have something to learn from somebody. I'm even learning things here today. So it's kind of nice that it's for the new unexperienced person trying to become a leader, somebody who's already in a leadership. So I think that was our biggest challenge was how do we encompass Everybody, we have business students and education students that might want to take it. So how does this help them? And that kind of went into a lot of the brainstorming. Listen, I'll, I'll tell you, first year of the program, so you're probably still getting the kinks out. But those fall classes in psychology, I thought were awesome. Uh, you're probably going to get more money out of me because I might come back for a psychology. <laughs> I, I found it, you know, some of those classes that you mentioned, I thought were awesome. And, you know, just it makes you think, it made me think in a completely different way than I ever really thought about stuff. And and it's something as simple as, you know, one of the assignments was about birds in a tree and things like that. And I'm sitting there telling my wife, telling my dad, and we all have different opinions on what, what is actually going on. But you get the makeup in psychology, you know, everyone thinks differently. And, you know, I, I thought those classes were really fascinating. Uh, they were tough classes, learned a ton, and now we're more into the athletic side of things. But I think those classes are definitely beneficial for um, you know, every single graduate class. I think it's a great mix for athletic leadership. I mean, that's one thing that, you know, I was really excited to, you know, once we completed it, because I, I learned a ton. That's, I think that's really great. And what your answer, your answer, BJ, is a really great example of how inclusive and ethical leadership doesn't have disciplinary boundaries. It applies over here in psychology. It applies over here in athletics. It applies here to academic leadership. It applies to your leadership of the foundation. It was. It applies in all of these areas, profit or for profit. So thanks for sharing that. Yes, thank you. Well, when I was first taking those classes, I said, what are we doing here? <laughs> you know, I'm like, what are these, do these guys really know what we're doing? And then, you know, as you kind of go through the class and you're like, wow, that's a whole new way of thinking. And, you know, it's definitely helped me, you know, in my, my profession right now, you know, the last couple of months. Yeah, we don't, do have- we don't, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say, we don't want you feeling comfortable, right? We want to challenge you. We want to get you out of that box because I think that's what another goal of a graduate education is. How can you be innovative and creative if you're stuck inside your own mental fixedness and inside your box? And so I appreciate you saying how much you were able to learn, even though skeptical at first, right? You come out with a whole new knowledge base, which is excellent. And that's exactly what we want to do at, at, at Albright College in, in, in our educational process. BJ, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. And if you don't have an answer to this, but is there a place in your work where you've applied what you've learned 
about um, psychology and inclusive and ethical leadership? Is there a story that you might share? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in charge as the athletic director. We have 42 teams. I'm in charge of like 42? 60 plus. That's including JV freshmen, all that. So, you know, also 60 plus coaches. So I think one of the things we learned in a psychology class, and Lisa talked about a little bit about identifying your biases, you know, there was different workshops or assignments in the fall, one of those classes. And I kind of took that you know, trying to get our coaches just to understand, you know, what their biases might be. You know, we all have them. Mm -hmm. We might not know until, mm -hmm. you know, we get in a group like this where we sit there and we say, oh, you know what? I didn't realize I do have that bias. You know, I think we're trying, you know, at least where I am trying to be a leader to, to continue to promote a positive atmosphere, you know, and for us to identify biases, I think will only help us because, you know, our diversity in our school has been, it's the largest it's ever been, uh, which is great. But, you know, we still have to change some ways of how we're operating and identifying some of the biases. So, you know, that workshop and that assignment, I don't have it exactly what we did, but, you know, it was something that was very beneficial to our entire group. I think that is really valuable in, in, in all fields of, and particularly in athletics, because some athletics arenas can be very gendered and very unwelcoming. So I really think it's great that you you brought that to your team and are participating in this kind of, of development. Joey, is there an example in your work where you have applied what you've learned in in this the classes on inclusive and ethical leadership? I kind of, kind of based on piggybacking off of what you said was, um, you know, just – not only just the people that I meet, but my colleagues uh, in our office, um, you know, where we can sit down and, and there may be struggles or maybe they're not seeing it, you know, they have a different perspective on something. And so just, again, it's those different biases and just trying to understand where they're coming from and then allowing myself to then be transparent with them. Um, and also with the with the people that I meet that, that because every one of us is broken, right? So, we you know when I when I have people that come into the office and and you know emotionally and mentally they're broken, um, it's it's applying what I know through the course and I may stumble along the way but uh, you know it's it's a learning process and so by doing that now what they're seeing they're they're seeing me in a different light and they're like wow he's really trying to help me here and um, you know they can be you know they'll, they'll be they'll be open. With me, so it's it's been a, it's been great, especially with the clients that I've had. I I think that's a that's a valuable story that you've just told. Thank yeah. you for sharing it. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing it. Allie and Lisa, the two professors. When you think about inclusive and ethical leadership and how you teach it in the classroom, right? What does it mean to teach this in a classroom? Whether you're in, in it's from this specific point of view of a psychology class and they're taking psychology courses in the, mass, in the um, athletic leadership program, or Allie, they're in one of your athletic leadership courses. What does it mean to do that? How do you do it? Why, is it in, why does it matter to do it that way? I was going to say, because I had to do that, right? When when we created the entire master's program and the certificate, we have to start at the end. What's the end goal and how do we get ourselves there? So um, in the professional seminar class, which is really the culminating course of the um, Inclusive and Ethical Leadership Certificate, we have at least five different pedagogies. Because I think, again, at the graduate level, it's not just that bedrock, right, of, of teaching the ethics. That's like the skill acquisition, right? It's about applicability. How do we now take 
this and apply it somewhere? And how do we get you to immerse yourselves into that self-reflective space where we need you to be to truly become ethical? So in in that course, for instance, um, we have uh, vignettes. So students are going to be reading vignettes and understanding the ethical charge there, de- developing their own ethical decision-making model, and trying to figure out what is their best path forward with what associated consequences. Um, we have discussion boards where students are going to be bouncing these more challenging concepts to talk about amongst themselves. So learning from each other, which is also another great um, way. Now, remember, this is online, so we're building this this sense of community as well. Then there's also um, the reflection piece. And so we have built in um, an ethics journal where each week you're going to be journaling in there. Um, and and it, we call it mindful musings. I, I like catchphrases to draw students into my assignments. Um, and, and so the mindful musings is to remind you to be intentional about what you do each day as a leader and also be mindful in that moment so you're not uh, being a culprit of your own bias or stereotype, but being mindful uh, and conscious in your decision making. Um, there's also an expedition to professional inquiry paper, which again is where each student can take that deep dive into these areas that perhaps you do feel is more challenging to you or is a weakness. Um, and then, of course, at the very end, we have you do a presentation, um, again, telling us what you've learned um, through your professional inquiry um, and all of those skills together along with the expert lectures, uh, really, I think, gives a very nice balanced perspective on ethics and inclusionary leadership. But that's that's where we've started. I I love some (laughs) of the things that you call your assignments. (laughs) Mindful musings. What did you say? Expedition? Expedition of professional inquiry. I like it. I like it. And Allie, in in the athletic leadership courses, this importance of teaching inclusive and ethical leadership, and how do you think about doing that and bringing that into the classroom? Yeah, of course. So especially with athletics, we have it's a special like niche altogether. So, you know, coaches are going to have to be athletic directors. Anyone in administration has to be accepting of all students. It's not always at the college level where you're recruiting certain individuals. You have walk-ons at the high school level. You have whatever student is available to you. So coaches have to learn how to adapt. So some of the going into picking the right um, faculty for them with their experience and they could share, I believe, in the athletic administration class that was just taught in spring too, diversity was a small piece of that as well. But it's how as coaches can you be that inclusive? I think a lot of it is just leading by example as well, recognizing mistakes or being um, transparent. It is a brand new program. It is being built as we're kind of flying. And it's making sure that the students do have something to take and making sure that I'm five steps ahead as best as I can to make sure that they're on track for graduation, which we will be. Um, come fall but it's kind of putting all those pieces together but also not not trying to put blinders on and letting them know like I made an assignment that it was not what I thought and I announced my class I apologize it's not what I was expecting I made changes I gave credit and it's kind of just being that we're human and it's recognizing that but also letting the students know that you recognize those type changes a lot of the things that we use all have different adaptability the videos have um the words across the screen. So depending on the different accessibility, um, there's a team that kind of helps with all of that and making sure that everybody learns differently. So maybe it's a PowerPoint where they can read. Maybe someone listens better with reading. Maybe it's a paper where they do better with writing and kind of recognize that 
as humans, we all learn differently. So kind of each assignment I tried to make it. So depending on what they were looking for was kind of something that kind of made that all inclusive where it's like, okay, I didn't really mesh well with this assignment, but this one hit me really hard. Or someone had a really great example with one thing that somebody else can learn from type thing. So I think just finding different ways to include everyone's experiences and then kind of highlighting things that are happening in athletics and kind of ways that they can actually apply it is kind of the goal. Yeah, so so I'm hearing in both of your answers, okay, let's get them to define it and then let's get them to apply it in the place where they are and they live and they work. Um, and then let's put them in situations where it challenges what they think they know. And I think that's what I heard in both of your answers. And I think you gave, a, Allie, a really interesting example there um, of being a professor. So we've talked about athletics, we've talked about psychology, of being a, a teacher, a professor, where it's not perfect. You don't go in there with the God-given assignment and it's always going to work, Well, right? it's all pre-recorded. <laughs> so like you kind of learn things and it's all, it's pre-done before they actually do. So some things came up and it's like, I didn't even think about it that way. And this is how they interpret it. So my brain was already going, okay, the next round, I'm going to take their feedback and how do I make it better? Because like, this is the first class. So there is a lot of things growing pains with the courses and the assignments. So it's like, okay. And as I'm helping other um, faculty build, I'm like, oh, I really like that. I didn't know that was a thing. I want to add that, like these badges that we're doing. I'm like, how do I put that into one of my courses? How do I do these peer reviews? So it's like, as you're kind of building, you're kind of evolving that way too. And I think it's accepting that, okay, there are ways to make things better without being like, no, my way was the best. It's like, oh, no, there are other things you can do and incorporate to make it more all-inclusive. Yeah, I, I'm going to say something about that because what you're saying, and I remember in my own mind, I was thinking ever-evolving. It's always evolving. Your leadership skills, your, your how you create your courses. And you also brought up another thing that I forgot to mention. I do want to get it out there is that each student coming through these courses and finishing the professional seminar will earn a badge. So we've worked that out with Digital um, Innovation Department. And so they'll have a nice badge that they can also take with them along with a certificate. And those are all of those CV or resume boosting um, skills. What's that, the badge in? Um, inclusive and ethical leadership. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Yeah. And how is that different from a certificate in, in this program? Um. It's probably synonymous in terms okay. of it, of the course and curriculum. Mm -hmm. The badge is something that they can put on their social media. Uh, um, again, you can use oh, it. Oh, so with it's, a, it's, a logo. A, it's a graphic. You'll have okay. like a little, yeah. I, and we're creating, not right now, but in the future, the ability for students to create a professional portfolio. And those portfolios are going to be accessible through Albright for a good amount of time. And you'll have all your badges listed there, your certificates listed there. Um, so that's something for the future to think about. <laughs> I, I think that's great. Did you know, did you guys? know you were going to get a badge when you were done. Did not. I'm happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> and you can post it on social media. Yes. Right? Yes. And it says all bright, so get it out there. <laughs> well, I want to thank each of you, BJ, Allie, Joey, Lisa, for being here today. Ethical and inclusive leadership is a way of leading that can really make a difference as we've explored today in the lives of others. This has been a really enlightening conversation. I want to thank each of you for joining me today and offering your perspectives on this topic and not only your perspectives, but your experiences in so many different ways. I'm really glad to see that Albright is actively teaching ethical and inclusive leadership in its programs. Thanks also to you, our listeners, and I invite you to make your own discoveries about Albright College by visiting our website at albright.edu. Please subscribe to Albright Out Loud via Spotify, Amazon Music, 
Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts, or whatever your preferred podcast app to join me for the next conversation on Albright Out Loud. 